The following is a message by Dr. James Renahan from Westminster Seminary, California. For more information about this message or Westminster Seminary, visit us online at wscal.edu or call us at 760-480-8474. That's online at wscal.edu or call us at 760-480-8474. O Lord, would you bless us now as we study your holy word, we ask in Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. Last week I was at a conference and was asked to preach through the 53rd chapter of Isaiah, so that's been on my mind, and I would ask you to turn there today and uh, notice a few of these verses with me. Actually, I'd like to read from the 13th verse of chapter 52 through the third verse of 53, 52.13 through 53.3. Hear the word of God. Behold, my servant shall act wisely. He shall be high and lifted up and shall be exalted. As many were astonished at you, his appearance was so marred beyond human semblance and his form beyond that of the children of mankind so shall he sprinkle many nations. Kings shall shut their mouths because of him. For that which has not been told them they see, and that which they have not heard they understand. Who has believed what they heard from us? To whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a young plant and like a root out of dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him and no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and as one from whom men hid their faces, he was despised, and we esteemed him not. May God's blessing be on this reading from his holy word. Soon, many of us will be going out from here to engage in the work of the ministry. Some will go to internships where they'll be guided and taught by experienced men. Others will graduate and go out into more formal ministerial roles, ordination, and office in the church, entering into a life of service to Christ and to his people. I want to ask this question. What do you expect will happen to you when you do these things, when you go out to serve, when you go out to an internship or to a more formal ministry? Well, if you're like me, you go with hope and with expectation of success, if I can use it that, use that word. Watching as people come to Christ, as the church grows, and as believers are increasingly conformed to the image of their Savior. We all hope for ministries that will be like those of our heroes, and I won't name our heroes, you can fill in the blank yourself, expanding influence and upward movement. And I really and truly hope that you will know those things, whether on the small scale of an internship over the summer or the large scale of a growing church. But I ask the question, are these expectations realistic? Do they fit what we see in Scripture? Or even perhaps, do they set us up for disappointment when they don't come to pass? You see, there is a tension between what I hope is a righteous desire to see Christ's kingdom expand and the reality of ministry in a fallen world. 
Notice the lament of the prophet in verse 1 of chapter 53. Who has believed what they heard from us, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? These are poignant questions, are they not? The longing expression of the prophet who has spent years proclaiming the word of God to the nation of Israel, and over and over again he has suffered rejection. I hope that you'll agree with me that Isaiah was preaching Christ. He is the Lord's servant, the central character of the latter half of this book. And yet we know that there were few, if any, who believed. Now, if we remember the context of this book, Isaiah must not have been surprised remember what his commission was? Put a marker here. Turn back with me to chapter 6. We remember well the first seven verses of Isaiah chapter 6. The glorious portrait of the majesty of God. I'm sure many of you have heard R.C. Sproul's video series, The Holiness of God. How memorable it is when he deals with this passage. But I wonder, do we remember the latter half of the chapter? Beginning in verse 8. I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then I said, Here am I, send me. A text that is frequently used in missionary meetings, calling people to go and to serve the Lord. But we stop there. That's not the ordination sermon that Isaiah heard It didn't stop there. The Lord said, go and say to this people, keep on hearing but do not understand, keep on seeing but do not perceive, make the heart of this people dull and their ears heavy and blind their eyes, lest they see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their hearts and turn and be healed. Then I said, how long, O Lord? And he said, until cities lie waste without inhabitant." and houses without people, and the land is a desolate waste, and the Lord removes people far away, and the forsaken places are many in the midst of the land, and though a tenth remain in it, it will be burned again like a terebinth or an oak whose stump remains when it is felled. The holy seed is as a stump. How would you like that to be your ordination charge? That's what it was for the prophet. Not very pleasant, was it? Well, the prophet knew from these words, he knew from the beginning of his ministry that few would respond to his preaching. But we find him in the first verse of chapter 53, lamenting, who has believed? And in doing this, he instructs us about something we must also keep in mind as we serve and as we preach Christ. Now we need to notice the last three verses of chapter 52, which really is the beginning of the context. These verses are a summary of the whole of chapter 53, and they reflect to us an interesting pattern. In verse 13, we have words about the exaltation of the servant. The prophet begins with a word of hope, but this word of hope is followed by verse 14, which is about humiliation. We go from exaltation to humiliation. And we have here in verse 14 a brief summary of the depths of suffering to be endured by the Lord's servant. But then this is followed 
by verse 15, which is another text about exaltation. And so we move from the depths back to the heights. The summary then moves right into an extended song about the servant, who is rejected by most, verses 1 through 3, in response to his lament, Isaiah describes the way that unbelief sees the servant. It turns away from him. In verse 4, there is a change in which some believe on him. And in verses 9 through 12, he speaks about the servant as crushed and forsaken by the will of God, but exalted in his burial and in his resurrection and in his ascension. Really, chapter 12 follows the pattern of verses 13 through 15 of chapter 52. The pattern is suffering and then glory. This is exactly what Peter describes when he speaks of the prophets searching and careful inquiries into the things that they were prophesying. They knew that they were speaking about the sufferings of Christ and then of the glories that would follow. He suffers in this world when he enters into the next. He enjoys the highest of glory. But we need to notice that verse 1 is essential to this pattern because it tells us what we should expect when we preach him. Notice, unbelief will never see him as he really is. The lament of the prophet expressed to us in verse 1, is followed in verses 2 and 3 by words that make this plain. Unbelief, as it sees him, portrayed in the preaching of the gospel, sees nothing in him. It likens him to a struggling plant in a desert. A plant that somehow is able to make its way up through the dry and barren ground, but it will bear no fruit. Unbelief sees him that way. Or unbelief sees no beauty or attractiveness in him. In fact, unbelief, as presented with the suffering servant, finds every reason to reject him. Look at verse 3. Despised and rejected, a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. In fact, the portrait is so stunning that men turn their faces away from him and despise him, failing to esteem him. See, unbelief sees only suffering and rejects him because unbelief is taken up with glory. It wants beauty. It wants outward attractiveness and sees none in the Savior. But Isaiah doesn't stop there. Faith, God-given faith, sees differently. Notice the second part of verse 1. To whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Well, the arm of the Lord does reveal him to some. And those who see him by the gift of faith have a completely different perspective on him. We didn't read verses 4 through 6. They are familiar to you. The prophet, in the plural, the first person plural, personalizes an understanding of the suffering servant. He's borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, etc., etc. The eyes of faith given by the Lord see that his suffering is not the result of his own wickedness. They see beyond the eyes of unbelief. They recognize that his suffering comes from their wickedness, and they are amazed. But what's the difference? 
What's the difference between those in verses 2 and 3 who see nothing in him and those in verses 4 through 6 who by faith see him? Well, the difference is what God does. God grants faith. The world in its unbelief mocks and scoffs, but those enlightened by God's act of revelation see him from a very different perspective. We should never be surprised by the unbelief of the world around us. We shouldn't be surprised by the lament of the prophet. In fact, we should expect that in many ways his lament will be our lament. Lord, who has believed what they've heard from us? Unbelievers, the world, cannot and will not see the beauty of the suffering servant. It is only the revealing power of God's spirit, opening eyes to see and granting belief that will make a difference. Now the text gives us a great deal of hope. It does tell us that there are some who responded to Isaiah's message. He expresses that in the middle section of the song. But the difference comes from the Lord. Left to themselves, men will only unbelieve. Do you see a pattern here? Suffering and glory. And in many ways, the Savior's experience was the prophet's experience, and we ought to expect that it will be our experience as well. We live between the two ages, in the overlap of the ages. This world with its sufferings, and the next with its glory. And when we minister, we minister in these two ages as well. We ought not to be surprised when this present world causes us to suffer, to lament, to walk away from the pulpit, perhaps the pulpit after weeks of proclamation of the Son of God, and to know by our experience the words of the prophet. Who has believed what we preached? Lord, to whom will you reveal yourself? There might be some of us will have a different experience, who will preach and week after week after week see people come to Christ or grow in their faith. But I suspect that for most of us, that won't be the case. Our task when we serve him is to preach him clearly and plainly, but to leave the results to God. And if he gives us a harvest, then we may rejoice But if he makes us like Isaiah, if those words that were spoken to him at his commissioning become words that describe our experience, then our task is simply to rejoice and to press on. Preaching about the suffering servant is itself a great blessing. Dear friends, let that be enough for us. And may God be the one who helps us and gives us the increase. Let's pray. Oh Lord, we are glad that the task is not ours, the task is yours. Would you empower us by your spirit to do what you've called us to do? Whether it's in a summer internship or it is in pastoral ministry, make us faithful. And do as you please in revealing the beauty and the wonder and the majesty of your Son to sinners. 
Give us grace to respond to those who reject. Give us perseverance to proclaim him so that others by your power might believe. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Copyright 2012, Westminster Seminary, California. All rights reserved. You are permitted to reproduce and distribute this material in any format, provided that you do not alter the wording in any way and that you do not charge a fee beyond the cost of reproduction. For web posting, a link to this document on our website is preferred.